Reaching Tax Flow podcast, where the goal is to empower and educate you to legally and ethically minimize taxes paid over your lifetime. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today at episode 70, we are going to answer the question of when do I need life insurance? So before we get into it, let's take a brief moment, as always, and thank today's sponsor on this episode. Are you leaving money on the table? Are you an accredited investor seeking new and exciting investment opportunities? Look no further than Integrated Investment Group, your trusted partner in financial success. At IIG, the focus is on delivering exclusive investment options tailored to your unique needs and goals. Contact them today and let their expert team guide you toward your financial aspirations. Wondering if you qualify as an accredited investor? Visit teachingtaxflow.com backslash IIG to find out and take the first step towards a brighter financial future. Integrated Investment Group, your path to financial success begins here. Securities offered through Cabin Securities. Member FINRA SIPC. Hey all and welcome back to Teaching Tax Flow, the podcast. Today, as you heard in the intro, read in the show description, and seen in the title, we're going to talk about when you may need insurance. So, best guy I could think about for this one, we're bringing on board Nate Hamill from Integrated Investment Group, IIG, as we refer to it. So, Nate, welcome to the party, man. How's it going? Let's talk insurance. Hey, John. Good to be back. Good. It's been months. So, but thanks for having me. I'd love to talk about insurance. It's uh, one of those conversations that people don't like to have, but I think they need to have. And we're going to talk about insurance in a different world of auto insurance, pet insurance. We're talking about it a little bit differently, right? So let's lay that out. Is that correct? Yep. We're diving into life insurance. Life insurance is essentially an insurance policy on your life. Simply put, John, if I buy a million dollar policy on me and I pass away, my family gets a million dollars or my beneficiary. And me, you know, obviously spending a lot of time online, being a marketing guy, we get hammered with ads. Um, I don't watch cable, honestly. So, but if you do watch cable TV, I'm sure there's ads and everything on there as well. Like buy into this, buy into that. This is here. This is, you know, it costs this much. It costs this much. This is what you get. So there's a lot of, a lot of thought. And I give the marketers and advertising people in this world, a lot of credit. They put a lot into this to make it very catchy, but we're going to basically look at this. Um, I don't think I ever use the word holistically in a sense, but maybe that's the right one here, but kind of the bigger picture, right? So comprehensively, there you go. So we're not going to get into like every nook and cranny detail of this because I'm sure you being the expert can talk for days and days on this, but let's actually take one step back. So those that aren't familiar with yourself and IIG, um, maybe can you give us just a little elevator pitch, if you will, on, on what you guys do over at Integrated Investment Group? Yeah. So Integrated Investment Group is the uh, planning arm of our CPA firm. Uh, Chris is my business partner who you guys have on there and uh, fortunately, unfortunately get to hear week to week. Um, but we handle the retirement, the investing the insurance, the, the core side of the, Hey, I've done my taxes, but now I have to plan for the future. So a little background. I've been in the industry about a decade. Um, I'm in, up in South Bend, Indiana, married four kids. This is my passion is helping people achieve their goals. And really just making sense of 
what people may have no idea what they're getting into. So let's start off now as we, we take this journey, as we can say, into the wonderful world of life insurance and not forgetting about the question of when may I need this. So let's start off with really just give us, again, without going into a massive amount of detail, maybe just the types of products that are out there. Um, you know, people probably know, oh, well, policy, everything's policy, 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 I think is a, the term that marketers use for this. So give us the 30,000 foot view, maybe the 29,000 foot view on really what's out there. So what options people may have? Yeah. So let's start simple. Uh, term life insurance is exactly what it sounds like. It is a life insurance policy that lasts for a term. That term can be dictated by the insurance company. You can go out and shop that term. Uh, and they'll price it accordingly. So term is uh, great for, I, I will often say, I'm not putting blanket recommendations out there. Please, John, let, if if our listeners hear nothing else, let them hear that speaking to a professional about this is very, very important. But having an understanding of it before you go into that meeting so that you best understand how to have conversations is also important. Term, in my opinion, is great for... Uh, Young, newly insurable interest, uh, just not a ton of capital, not a ton of flow, but recognize the responsibility. So I like to use myself as an example. Uh, that was 22-year-old newlywed Nate who bought a cheap $250,000 term policy just to make sure that his new wife was not uh, emotionally and financially devastated if something were to happen. And then... And really with the term, before we get too much detail on that, but it really sounds like, uh, again, not making the assumption that somebody would fit into this bucket, but generally speaking, it sounds to me like term would be kind of a starting off point. Um, if you're not really sure where to get into, maybe you, you know, whoever you speak to maybe directs you in that, in that direction. And would it be safe to say that a term policy is more, um, more flexible in a sense on kind of letting you build your own policy or, or are we going to get into that in further ones? We'll get into that. Uh, term is where we actually see the, the least amount of flexibility. We see flexibility in the length of the term. So we might be able to get a 10 year, a 20 year, a 30 year or a term to age 80 or a hundred, but we don't get to affect any of the premium going into that. The insurance company simply says, Hey, here's what it costs. And it, I always equate term insurance to like renting your insurance. For some people, it's the right thing to do for their entire life because it's the cheapest way to get it. Um, but if I have a 10-year term and I die on, you know, the day after the policy expires, the insurance company keeps my premium and I don't have a death benefit. Now, caveat to that, there are return of premium policies. You can pay your policy and as long as you pay it through the entire duration, they give you a premium back at the end. So those do exist. Like you said, John, without going too in the weeds, uh, we're talking term in general. It exists for a period of time. The prices are usually the lowest way um, to get them. So, No, excellent. Excellent. And then really moving forward, what what might be the other common types of policies that someone would be looking at? So let's go to the other end of the spectrum. And I know there are emotions around this product uh, and opinions. I have my own, but that would be the whole life side. Um Whole life, first and foremost, it's still an insurance product. Uh, we have to have a need, a death benefit. Uh, but what whole life allows us to do is put money into that policy, A, to pay the premiums, and B, to allow it to grow. Now, how it grows is dependent upon how the policy is structured. You could have those additional premiums put into 
uh, the life insurance company's general account. You can have them put into the market. Uh, it's really up to you and your advisor. This is typically a good tool for people who want to maximize some tax efficiencies in the future, estate planning. Because um, the other name for whole life insurance, John, is permanent life insurance. You own it. You know, you may only pay premiums to age 65, but that death benefit continues forever. There's a term that I've heard bounce around. And again, um, you know, to kind of throw that disclaimer out there, right? Everybody's situation is different. So nothing, nothing worth saying. There's no, there's no cookie cutter or easy bake oven for those uh, 80s babies out there that, you know, every, if you had a sister, you probably got burned by the darn thing. So again, there's, there's no fit for this. So there's no mold. So that term, um, infinite banking has come up a decent amount. So I don't know if we can really dive into this a whole lot, but I, I'm going to make the assumption yeah, that that is completely separate from a term policy and that then and there falls into that whole or permanent life policy, correct? Bingo. Yeah. Using a whole life policy to create uh, capital, whether it be for loans, whether it be for uh, financing future purchases, things like that, uh, it, it's a tool that fits in there really well really well. Again, you've got to talk to your advisor, timeline, liquidity, risk, all of those things matter, plus insurable interest, making sure that you have a need for insurance. Um, but then you're absolutely right, John. There are ways that you can stuff money inside a whole life insurance policy, and there are governmental guidelines, um, but that actually get it to spit out cash. Now, the key is you have to try to get the base premium, what you're paying for the insurance, as low as possible, so that you have as much room to stuff cash in it to grow. Again, so it's not ideal for that 25-year-old client who just got started. Right, exactly. And, and honestly, so I kind of put the cart a little bit before the horse too, even, I mean, I asked that question, probably, you know, a lot of people probably don't know what this is. And obviously it relates a lot. I hear it a lot in the real estate investment world. So those REIs out there, a lot of them take advantage of this. So if you can, we, we still got a, a decent amount of time left on this show. And again, not to go into the weeds specifically on this, but give us your perspective and really definition and maybe walk us through, say somebody who's heard of this term, super intrigued of it, you know, they probably fit more into the whole life of that permanent policy um, criteria. So they're checking those boxes. So give us some, um, give us a little discussion or a little background on what exactly that infinite banking term is. I know that's kind of a trendy term popping around. So. Yeah. So simply put, it's it's maximizing contributions and premiums inside a whole life policy to get it to produce as much cash on cash return as possible. Now, I'm not going to give rates. I'm not going to go into any of that. Uh, essentially, when structured well, the insurance advisors, the salesperson's commission is decreased because we honestly, we get paid on base premium. It's getting the client to put the additional APs or the additional premiums in that make it sing. And what happens is then in the future, that policy every year kicks out a dividend. And that dividend can be used, A, you can receive it in cash. B, you can use it to pay your premiums. Or C, you can use it to purchase additional insurance. Well, if you purchase more insurance, the next year the dividend is slightly bigger and you buy more insurance. So what happens is over time, that insurance amount grows, producing bigger dividends, you can access that money uh, in your in in the cash account. Uh, some will call it the cash value account. Um, effectively, the, the cash account, you can access that money 
uh, either A, via a loan, B, as a just a withdrawal and a termination of additional premiums, um, or C, you can terminate part of the policy. Where it gets really fun is depending on the companies that you use and the dividend rates, uh, you can effectively become your own bank. And we have clients that stuff money in there for the sole purpose, A, of protecting their family and their generations ahead, but B, to also give themselves a place that, hey, if banking rates aren't ideal, I can go here. For those that aren't familiar with this, kind of in layman's terms, and you, you did a great job of explaining how this works, but really it, it might fit into a great opportunity for somebody that either, I don't know, for whatever reason, completely dislikes mortgages or can't or you know, cannot get one for, you know, whatever terms, but, you know, they do have this policy, they plan for it, planning being the key term here. But then also too, I mean, maybe, um, I guess it would fall into it if, if I believe it's like 10 mortgages for rental properties or whatever you could have per person or whatever it is. So, hey, you want 11? Hey, here's a policy. for you. Um, but yeah, stressing it as we do on pretty much every single podcast, every discussion we have, it's not like I could wake up tomorrow and say, you know what? I think I'm going to, set myself off with this whole life policy and then, oh, you know, it'll be great. I'll set it up tomorrow and in a week I can start drawing from this thing and, and go buy a property or whatever they want to use it for. Talk to us a little bit about maybe the process as much as we can on just trying to coach somebody along that path of figuring out, you know, what policy is right for them, what the approach is, and then maybe, you know, telling them some of the things they should, can't, or shouldn't, or can do um, within whatever the decision may, they make. So basically, if, if we approach that question of somebody is very interested in this, they really don't know where they fall, heck, they don't even really know what situation they have today versus next year, walk us through that a little bit. So almost like what your first conversation would be with somebody when they initially reach out to you. Maybe this is where I'm a little unique. Uh, I always tell people I'm a terrible salesperson. I'm a great listener. Um, I'm the son of a CPA and a former Indiana elementary school teacher of the year. So I have my dad's numbers brain, my mom's teacher's heart. Um, so my first initial conversations with anybody are kind of a get to know you. Uh, we can collect the numbers via email. We can collect the numbers via my, my app that I use to collect client data. But what I can't collect are the hopes, goals, and dreams. Um, because the reality is, you know, if you tell me, hey, your goal is X, Y, and Z, and you're wanting to talk about life insurance, let's figure out, A, what death benefit we need first. Let's make sure that, you know, John, if you come to me and say, um, hey, congrats on the new job, you make $5 million a year, and you go, Nate, I just need a $100,000 death benefit, we're going to have a conversation around, hey, John, is that the right amount for you and your spouse and your family? On the flip side, if you make $50,000 a year, you come to me and say, hey, Nate, I need $10 million of death benefit, we're probably going to trim that back. So A, we're going to figure out the right amount. B, we're going to talk about what those goals, dreams, the business hopes are, what the capital situation, the cash flow situation looks like, what your emotions around money are, what your goal for the next generation, the generation that follows. Um, and then if it makes sense, we'll start to educate around the whole life process, where it fits, how it fits, uh, and making sure that you understand and can articulate what that policy will do for you now in five years and 10 years and in retirement. You did mention the, you know, the wonderful world of business, right? Business goals. So these policies, um, say someone's a business owner. So they, in a sense, are kind of one in the same. Um, 
you know, as some wives and husbands and spouses might say, well, heck, there it seems like they're a business owner first and then a spouse second. They're so in greater, you know, in, in bed with what they got going on. So about policy, I mean, businesses, obviously, you know, sometimes it's a employee benefit, a company benefit, et cetera, by having policies in place. What might that look like as far as for somebody who, again, maybe they're, you know, whatever, it's their business, they want to offer something else. Maybe walk us through that a little bit. So I know we're getting off track a little bit no, as we're far good. as for switching more from the business to the, or personal to the business side, but how does that look? But those two are never truly separate, John. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. So, uh, congrats again, John, you and I are business partners. Uh, and we own a you're business stuck with me, whether you like it or not, there you go. You just put yourself, you're stuck. It's like Chris, we always try to escape each other, but darn it. We keep showing up here on the show once a week. It's ridiculous. Seriously. Um, so we own a business that's worth a million dollars. My wife, Melissa, your spouse side note is your spouse's name on the podcast at all. Oh Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, we know Stacy don't listen to this darn thing, so okay. I always I talk smack about her. Okay, just kidding. So <laughs> I appreciate you asking, though. Yeah, because yeah. you are you are a man of morals and disclaimers. Hey, I will say that uh, in, a, I, in a good way. I just want to look out for you. So, uh, and I would assume that Melissa doesn't listen to it either. So, um, but so we're business owners. You and I are the only two in the business. It's worth a million dollars. Our goal is to grow this as big as possible. The next day, Nate kicks dead. Congrats, John. You have a new business partner. Her name is Melissa. Granted, she has a PhD in child psychology, master's in education, terrible on the business side. You don't want her to be your business partner, yet she still, by law, unless our agreement was different, owns my estate or my part of the business. Now, what we do with a lot of businesses is we we put in place what's called a buy-sell. So, John, you and I would write more than likely as a young business starting out half a million dollars of term insurance where I write a policy on John, but I'm the beneficiary with a legal contract that says in the event that you pass away and that death benefit comes to me, I use it to buy out Stacy. So let's go back to our scenario. Nate passes away. Boom. Half a million dollars comes to John in the form of a tax-free insurance check. And he goes, woohoo. But that contract says, John, you got to buy Melissa out instantly. So boom, she's out. You own 100% of the business. So what a lot of people don't realize is that if that is not in place, if Melissa wants out of that business, she can force the sale. She can uh, become, you know, if my skill set in the business is what keeps the business driving, suddenly the business comes to a halt. You want her out so you can free up capital to hire, to train, to do what you need to do. Um, and you, and usually those are turned in, in all honesty, I always wondered how, how those worked. Um, and I mean, a little, little nugget from my own, my own life, you know, having a marketing agency was always interesting. You know, we always found very, found ourselves in very interesting client situations every once in a while. And I'm, I'm recalling one, um, I can't remember if they were near office in South Carolina, but I, I don't remember if it was a, was it? A, a spouse or if it was a sibling or what the deal was, but yeah, somebody took it over. Um, we, we never found out even about, I think it was somebody passing away at the time or, or whatever it was, um, until, you know, invoices weren't getting paid and we're like, well, what's the deal here? And then we just watched the whole thing unfold with people trying to figure out 
who's doing what, who's calling the shots. If I remember correctly, too, was 50-50 ownership. So even though they did not get along, I don't know all the details of it, it was an absolute nightmare. And I remember our office just, I mean, at that point, you know, we kind of severed ties, but we're just like publicly watching this thing unravel. So that's actually really interesting that you went into that, into that scenario. Is that something difficult to set up or is it, you know, does it, not going into pricing, but does it sometimes price out people from looking at a policy like that? Or is that something that, you know, you have a BOP policy, you know, to cover your, cover your arse, you know, if things go wrong. It, it, this should basically, from what it sounds like, be considered just as important as that. Yeah. You know, when the time comes to look at your coverages, correct? Yeah. To me, uh, this is an annually reviewed policy. Uh, and what I mean by that is congrats, John, we have our million dollar business. The next year it's worth two but we never update the insurance. And suddenly I pass away. Now you've got half a million to buy out a million. And she wants it in the next five years. Fun fact, if you, uh, unrelated to this, if you have homeowner's insurance and you do a very large addition, have your, uh, have your policy up. Yep. hundred percent. I don't know that from personal experience, but again, I've witnessed things from the sideline. It's actually really easy to set up. Here's, here's what a lot of people don't realize. Life insurance premium and cash value growth is based on age and health. The younger you are, the healthier you are, the less expensive it is. That's the reality. So when I talk to people and they go, well, I'll wait X amount of years. Okay, I can show you what that'll look like. I can show you roughly how much it'll be at that time, assuming your health doesn't change. Um, on the business side, it's just as simple. And honestly, a lot of people are, are scared about the insurance process. Let me walk you through it because it's really not that scary. We get a bunch of information, uh, name, date, social, all that good stuff. We attach the policy that we've walked through that we say, hey, this is what we want to apply for. And then we send a traveling nurse out to our clients and they take blood and urine. Don't worry, they don't mix them together. Um, but they, they they go to make sure not that you're healthy. They're not checking you for disease. They're checking for the general things that would uh, preclude you from insurability. So... Essentially, they're just looking, are you healthy enough to get a policy? And then they come back with their answer. And their insurance companies give us one of three answers. Yes. Hey, the way you applied looks good. Let's do it. No. Hey, we have no interest in this person. Or otherwise, hey, you applied uh, for Johnny T at Superman health status, but he's just average Joe. So instead of X amount, it's $3 more a month, $10, $100, whatever the policy says. Um, so we had those conversations. And then once we reached the point where we're like, yep, we're good with the health rating. We're good with the amount. Boom. Off we go. And we, we white glove that from beginning to end. So if somebody comes in and meets with us and they want to move forward with that, we are handling it every step of the way. Nate, I think you would support this, that, you know, every situation is very, very different. So there's no cookie cutter. There's no copy and paste. Everything is done specific for them. So bef before we do wrap up, though, let's take a, a quick minute, if we can, or a couple minutes, whatever we need. And if somebody had questions, right? So, and, the, and this is a great time too, if, if there's a best way for somebody to contact you, let's drop that in there as well. But if anybody has questions, right? So is, I'm going to make the assumption, right? That even by inquiring with somebody such as yourself um, or whomever they choose with these questions, it's not like you're... Um, you're not going to get yourself in trouble by looking at other options. I'm going to make the assumption, right? So it's, and then I, I can definitely vouch for, for y'all's approach with this is 
you guys are are terrible salesmen. You you and you and Chris, from what I see on his side, um, you know, on the CPA practice, awful salesman. It's almost like you say, hey, you know what? I'm a great attorney, but man, I am an awful accountant or I am an awful marketing guy. I'm glad you guys admit that and you don't take offense to it. But back to where I was going with that before I took myself off the rails. What's your best suggestions to somebody, even if they have even the smallest of question or, oh my gosh, I have no coverage. I need more information on where I fall. I'm looking at this you know, in the future, but I'm not ready now. What's your approach to that? Like walk us through. I know we talked about it a little bit, but I definitely want this to get across there because, you know, it's that time of year again, you know, you can get it again at the end of the year, but people get totally enamored with these pesky marketing people like myself, where it comes down to like, oh, you need this fear of loss, this, 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 it's in it. Give us your two cents. Give us your honest two cents, which I know you will give us. Yeah. Uh, meaningful, intentional conversations. Uh, my belief is is you cannot adequately sit down, meet with someone, learn about them, build, design, and show them a policy unless you already had something in mind in one meeting. Um, so my belief is I go in there with a completely blank slate. I am going to gather the info. I'm going to explain what that info leads me to, uh, and then come back usually about a week later with the proposed options. And I shop out against multiple carriers. I don't go to just one. I'm looking for, depending on the policy, the best benefits, the best price, all sorts of things, John. But but my honest two cents is have a meaningful conversation with, with somebody who is not attached to a singular firm, but is in the industry, you call them non-captive, can sell multiple carriers. So for me personally, uh, N Hamill at integratedig.com, or uh, they can easily jump over to my Calendly and just schedule a time. It's calendly.com slash N-H-A-M-I-L dash I-I-G, Hamill dash I-I-G. And we're all about efficiency. So I will literally copy those links and put them in the show notes. So if somebody says they can't get a hold of you, they probably shouldn't be driving a car because they can't take directions either. So, so yeah, we, we make it easy. So yeah, we'll drop those in there. And, and Nate, let's go back to the very, very beginning of this when we asked that question of, when do I need insurance? Literally the show title of this. And I know exactly what you're going to say here. But what is your answer to when do I need insurance? The minute you feel you hold some sort of emotional and financial responsibility towards someone. Bingo. So basically about a minute and 13 seconds into the show, you should have answered that question. Yes. If not, you probably didn't even make it this far. So there's your answer. Awesome, Nate. Well, thank you so much, man, for hopping on this with us. Um, honestly, I, I learned something here too, like I always do. So, Hey, I love it. One, one last thing I'll leave you with, John. Uh, somebody once told me, and I, I love it, that a life insurance policy is, is the best last love letter you can ever leave someone you care about. Um, it's, it's, and I recognize it's not as sentimental, but there is something about saying, Hey, I love you enough to take care of you when I'm not here. So my wife and four kids, they know that if I'm not here, I'm at least here in spirit. Absolutely. And you can't do that unless you plan for that ahead of time. So we hit, we had our planning. We had all the topics that we wanted to here, right? So the one thing that I'll mention in here, and I would be completely remiss if I did not being that we are a tax 
related podcast, is there are tax benefits to many options here. We won't go into them. A lot of details. If you have questions, Nate's your guy. But thanks, man. Thanks for joining us. We'll have you back on here or sooner than later, and we'll you know maybe get into the, the weeds yeah. a little bit on some of these. But thanks for joining us. We'll get into the weeds and whatever you want, John. Sounds great, Nate. I appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, again, for joining us here on the Teaching Tax Flow podcast on this episode where we talked about when do I need or when do you need or when you should have had insurance. So let's keep it going. Let's do it again next time. Different topic, different guest. Same time, same place, back here on the Teaching Tax Flow podcast. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us today on episode 70. Hopefully, we answered that question for you. When do I need life insurance? So hopefully, we answered it for you multiple times. But if we haven't, you have more questions. The link is in, or I should say links, are in the show notes for you to follow up with Nate personally. Great guy, great resource for any of those questions you may have on life insurance specifically. We are going to dive into some further, deeper topics as it relates to other types of insurance here at a later date. But as the goal of this episode, focus mainly on one topic, get you a little bit more comfortable with it, or if you've never heard of it before or had a chance to dive into it, hopefully you have a much better understanding. So hopefully we've accomplished that today. And again, any questions, reach out to Nate personally via those links that are in the show notes. And we will see everybody very soon back here on the podcast. The content provided is for educational purposes only. We encourage you to seek personalized investment advice from your financial professional. For all tax and legal advice, please consult your CPA or attorney. Investment advisory services are offered through Cabin Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Cabin Securities, a registered broker-dealer. The content of this podcast does not constitute an offer of securities. Offerings can only be made through an offering memorandum, and you should carefully examine the risk factors and other information contained in the memorandum.